0: entrepreneurs business leaders and professionals who seek excellence bringing the business classroom to you it's the business builders show on the business builders media network here's marty wolf hello everyone and welcome to the business Builders show with marty wolf the show for entrepreneurs business owners and business leaders I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builders Show, which is a production of Business Builders Media. You can get all our shows and podcasts from more great podcasters at businessbuildersmedia.com, where we give entrepreneurs and business leaders the tools they need to have their voices heard. That's businessbuildersmedia.com. My guest today is Jen Wirtz. Hi, Jen. How are you today?
1: I'm so good, how are you?
0: I am doing great, looking forward to this discussion. This should be interesting, and Jen, I think what we're going to talk about today, I don't think we could have picked a better time than twenty twenty to talk about how to think differently and 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 to recalibrate uh, our lives. so Jen is going to talk to us about that today. As a matter of fact, she wrote a book by the name, Recalibrate. And again, her name is Jen Wirtz. Let me do a quick intro with Jen. Um, As we go through, you'll learn more about her, but about the author. Jen is a mom of two and founder of Clean and Balanced Health Coaching. She is an eternal seeker of fun and is passionate about leading by example to offer a fresh outlook on how to shift perspectives and recalibrate energy to allow clarity and momentum to lead the way to true happiness. So I did read the book. I'm feeling happier, Jen. Um, I've had to recalibrate some of my thoughts because you challenged me on a couple of things. but, But that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to challenge folks. So let's start this way. Um, What experiences uh, in your life, and there are lots of them you talked about in the book, but what experiences do you want to share with us now that brought you to writing the book?
1: I love this question so much for multiple reasons, but um, just to kind of give you a preface as far as where I'm coming from. Growing up, I feel like I've had had a pretty great upbringing. I was taken care of. I was safe. I was clean. I was well-fed, educated, everything was taken care of for me. Um, And I was a picture of sanity, security, like like confidence, fun. You know, I just, I I really look like I had everything together. But as people learn more about me, they find out that I really from as long as I can remember, from as early as I can remember, I was always trying to live up to the expectations of my parents, my brothers, friends, society. It started in middle school. Like I always had like this awkward, inadequate, ugly feeling. I just never really felt like I fit in. High school, I wrestled with negative self-talk, jealousy, comparison, all these kinds, kinds of things. And I... I'm the youngest of t- of three kids um, and I always kind of reveled in the black sheep behavior. Right. So I um, <laughs> always did the things that I wasn't supposed to do, got away with them. I had little sister syndrome, if that's even a syndrome, but I, I'm going to go ahead and just make that a word right now. Um, you know, and I was always brought up to be quote unquote nice and be the good kid in college. That's kind of when everything hit the fan. Um, the more I tried to fit in, the less I did. Um, I I started really drinking my heaviest in college. I started doing questionable acts. Um, you know, just kind of going through a really dark, dark stage in my life, and it did not let up post collegiate years. I wandered through life. I failed marriage miserably. I proceeded to do drugs, alcohol, suicide attempts, like you name it, I probably went through it. And throughout this whole entire thing, nobody ever knew any different. No one ever came up to me. No one ever kind of questioned what I was doing. Um, And so when I, when I probably back in like, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago, I started diving into self-help books like Jack Canfield, Tony Robbins, Napoleon Hill, those kinds of guys. Because I thought that, you know, there had to be something better than what I was doing. I had gotten, you know, I'd gotten remarried. I bought a new house. I, but I still just didn't get it. I was just like, crap, like there's got to be something more. Right. Um, but even with those kinds of self-help books, I just still like, you know, I still didn't get it. I was doing my affirmations. I was doing all the things and I still didn't freaking get it. Mm. Um, I had my, I, I popped out my first kiddo in 2015, um, had written a book um, shortly thereafter. I popped out another kid in 2016. I still was like, what the heck? What gives? Is this it? Like, honestly, is this it? Is this going to be my, my my life? I seriously was not happy. And then I had, I was working in this job, in this service industry job uh, after we had moved cross country, just up and picked up my my family moved cross country and I was working in this job and somebody asked me, you know, just plain, like plain and simple, you know, like trying to get to know me. And he was just like, so what do you do for fun? And I mm-hmm. kind of looked at him and I felt like I wanted to cry because I didn't know. I really didn't, I, nothing sounded fun to me. All I did was work, try to pay my bills and lived for my family. And that was when I was like, huh, something's like, I got to change something now. Mm-hmm. So I was introduced to people like Abraham Hicks, Gabby Bernstein, um, those kinds of people. I reintroduced myself to Mihai, his uh, work and Flow, and then Stephen Kohler. And that was when the game changer started happening. Started meditating, started mm-hmm. doing intentional work. I started making decisions, deliberate choices, those kinds of things. And from there, my big thing is, Now I was ready to be ready to be ready. And follow up, fast forward a few years, and here I am.
0: You are writing a book and you're on the Business Builder Show telling the story. That's great. Heck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So chapter two of the book, the title of that chapter is Release the Past. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: this is one of the statements I'm taking out of there that I want you to go deeper on. I love this statement. Here's what it says. I truly believe that growth does not sprout from mistakes. I'm going to reread that. I truly believe that growth does not sprout from mistakes. You just went over a whole bunch of mistakes. Mm So what do you mean it doesn't, growth does not sprout from mistakes. Tell me more about that.
1: So I used to believe that I used to be a huge proponent of you know you learn from your mistakes you you know you don't want to relive the past because history you don't want history to repeat itself that kind of thing and I am I allowed to swear on this podcast
0: uh yeah (laughs) if you want it's up to you (laughs) because
1: (laughs) Because personally I think it's a bunch of bullshit that we learn from our mistakes because I really think it's just more of a perspective shift the more I realized that as I was doing my meditation and doing the work around what was happening and really why I was doing the work I was doing, I realized that my past is all about the way that I looked at it. So for example, you could say that I made mistakes left and right, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I jumped from quote unquote, I was a jack of all trades. I jumped from career to career to career path, that kind of thing, people would look at that as a mistake, like, oh, she didn't really really thrive in this one, so she's doing another one or doing this one or that kind of thing. I completely disagree. I think that when I look at my past and say, you know, I could have done that differently, but one, it's not going to change it. Two, the better way to look at that is what did I gain from that? What was the positive aspect from that situation that created more momentum in a different, in a different way? Mm -hmm. How can I really look at something that I did in the past that I was either shame, that I felt shame around or that I felt guilt around and really look at that and be like, well, which now, what am I doing? What am I doing now that reflects on that differently? So, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Okay, I could have really done. I really could have dealt with that situation different, right? But now I know moving forward that it doesn't matter. I didn't learn from that. I just shifted my perspective in a way that I yeah. can say, you know what? Now I'm going to do it different.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. I I, I love the insight. Quite frankly, I really did. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm, um, I'm quite tired of hearing the same thing (laughs) said over and over and over again uh you know basically what you're saying i'm agreeing with you um yeah yeah, you know and feel forward and all this other kind of since you said the first bullshit um, that I I think is a lot. Okay, so you read the self-help books. You went Mm -hmm. through the high-performance tapes. uh, You did all that kind of stuff. And often in these materials, they talk about the fact that you need to be a superstar on social media. Mm -hmm. Mm, Now, what do you (laughs) think about that question, Jen?
1: Oh, gosh. so. (laughs) <laughs> my my book goes into detail about, quote unquote, social media, media suicide. And I actually love talking about this perspective from both a personal aspect and a professional aspect, because I lived and breathed um, marketing tools, right, for for a long time. So I opened up my business originally um, back in, I want to say maybe 2014 or 15 or something like that. Um, when I was back in Seattle and it did, I had a completely different vibe. It was more, it was tar- it a completely different audience, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, the reason why I know now, the reason why it didn't succeed was because I just was going by what social media and the P pu- and the social media quote unquote influencers and, um, you know, I, I was part of a the, you know, the marketing tools, um, you mm-hmm. know, those kinds of, those kinds of mm-hmm. industry people. Uh, and I was just going by algorithm and what, and everything that I posted, everything that I did was driven by what I thought that the, that the reader or the, the person that was buying it wanted. Mm-hmm. And I totally got lost in what the heck I was doing and why I was doing it. And to be completely honest with you, the reason why I stopped, I just went silent for a year because I was just so tired of being a shell of myself and trying to live up to this brand that I honestly didn't even care about anymore because it just wasn't me. But I, I was so lost and I was so I was so driven by I need to succeed and why can't I succeed if those guys are doing it? I should be able to do it. And you know, and it was just all this stuff that was built upon just a facade. Yeah. And it just, it, it was so disappointing. It yeah. really was.
0: Somebody else's model of success. Uh, yeah. That, uh, and, and we, most of us have fallen into the trap, uh, me me included. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, and there's lots of us. Uh, we lose, well, I'll use the word perspective. We lose who we really are. We lose what do we really want. We stop paying attention to our intuition. These are my words, not Jen's words, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm in agreement with you. So I'm pretty confident that we have everybody ca- captivated with this discussion. I am speaking with Jen Wirtz, W-I-R-T-Z, her book that you can't find on on uh, Amazon and other places, I suppose. Uh, but look for the title, Recalibrate. Recalibrate by Jen Wirtz. She does have a website. It's Jenwertzrn.com. Jenwertzrn.com. Is that correct, Jen?
1: That is correct.
0: Okay. So you want to look her up. You want to get the book. And again, I'm going to say it, uh, this year, 2020, and we're recording this towards the end of 2020, um, political stuff happening, COVID-19 stuff happening, all kinds of stuff happening. Um, I think this book is very, very timely. So I strongly suggest you get it. It's an easy read with little worksheets that you can follow on with what she's talking about. So, okay. So Jen, you get, I got to, I guess maybe this is the title of a chapter. I'm not sure, but you talk about rebuilding and I'm taking us another sentence right out of that chapter. And here's what you say. When you accept and appreciate, you are able to just look at the good in something And just see the object or situation for the positive feeling of it, for the positive feeling of it. Please go deeper on that, Jen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let me give you a little bit of a scenario. So say if you're, you know, you're talking to somebody and you're like, you know, I'm really grateful for um you know, the way that this situation turned out, I'm really grateful that I have my family. I'm really grateful that I have, you know, just, I'm really grateful that I have this paycheck. There's, think about and try to feel the, if there's a visceral feeling that goes along with that versus if you say, you know what, I really, really dig how this is playing out. I really dig that we are getting together, that we're having this conversation. I really dig the momentum that this is that this is you know shooting out. I really dig that the universe is just kicking this back to me and giving me everything back the way that I think that it should go. I really dig this. I feel like the difference between gratitude and appreciation is really finite, but it's all based on visible feelings. It's all based on how you actually emotionally feel toward the topic. And if you come from it with an appreciation factor, you don't have to come from it from a place that you feel like you have to justify the lack before you can appreciate it, before you can say the good. And that's why I think it's so important to really start defining things as in terms of appreciation versus saying that I'm grateful for this.
0: I had to really think on that, Jen. Mm-hmm. I paused for that on that for a while because <laughs> you even mentioned the attitude of gratitude.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and, and a lot of people talk about that, right? I mean, yeah. and, and I guess we, I, I, we understand that. Um, but that, it's maybe not it's a subtle, maybe it isn't a subtle difference. I, I don't know how to really think on that. But um, to think about the moment, think about your, what's that make you feel like? I, I like that. But let me jump right over to this. Does this mean we don't have to do any work? (laughs) I mean, okay, so I wanna feel some really good stuff happening. Uh you became an RN. Did you just feel your way to getting that? Or do we have to do some work, Jen? (laughs) Talk to
1: me. Here's the rub, is that I feel like most of the people that I talk to don't even know what an emotion feels like when Uh, it when you have to discern between joy, happiness trappiness, uh, Got it. Got it. you know because i mean i feel like what's lost right now for a lot of people is the feeling behind or the emotion behind this word appreciation versus gratitude and that's the driver right because i mean think about think about what i talk about in the beginning stages of my book and my life I'll, most of this was done with an emotional list with no emotion whatsoever yeah. all, of my, decisions, right? yeah, all yeah. my decisions were based on external factors and what people yeah. would think of me and, and oh you know like is my mom gonna like this is my is my dad gonna be proud and my brother's gonna feel like they want to own up to me being their sister kind of thing uh-uh most of this stuff but most of this stuff was not driven by emotion now i can tell you in 100 percent honesty everything that i do is based on does it feel good or does it feel bad? And if it feels good, then I say, yeah. If it feels bad, I say, no. Nope, I'll save it till it feels good. Or I don't do it at all.
0: I think that's a beautiful insight. And yes, it, it, it takes work. All of this, even the, even the journey that you're on, mm-hmm. the journey that we're talking about, this takes work. Your education takes work. Getting better at something takes work. And so this isn't sitting in a corner someplace and wishing and hoping. Um, no. But this is, this takes work. So let's, let's go here. Um, You mentioned the word uh, meditating or meditation a couple of times. You mentioned during this interview, you mentioned it often in the book. So let's spend some time on that. Just how important is the concept or the reality of meditation in the lessons you're trying to teach us?
1: Um, So if I can put it completely bluntly, it is the make or break in the work. This is how I was able to tie everything together because I'm probably like most of the people out there. I have a bookshelf or a bedside table full of self-help books. I have YouTube channels and videos, um, podcasts, all bookmarked. I have notes written everywhere. I have all the things. But the thing that I was not doing for so long was actually sitting down and doing the work. When I, and what I mean by that is actually sitting down, doing the meditation every day as a practice, because knowing that it's a practice, it's going to take time to figure it out and doing the intentional work. And this is the bread and butter. This is what it takes to get from all those books to, the, to what she has, right? To where the grass is always greener. I feel like this is the catalyst, the meditation piece.
0: So all the books, all the learning, not bad, good stuff. You're going <laughs> to learn from all of it, right? Yeah. I mean, neither one of us are bashing any of that. Um, no. I've done it too. I've read them all. If you had, if this was on video, you'd see all the books be my, right, behind me. Right, Dan, he sees me on video all the time. Um, and I'm proud of that. You know, I'm very proud of that. But So meditating is the foundation. Now, why don't people... Do that more often. What's the hurdle?
1: <laughs> well, I don't know what everybody's thought process is, but I can give you my personal opinion um, and my perspective. So I so I grew up um in Massachusetts, and I went to a college, original my first college I went to. It was all uh it was Springfield College in Massachusetts, and everybody did uh, you know athletics. Everybody, you were like 99% of the people did athletics. I was probably the one of the 2% that did not. Um, however, I did play rugby for a little while, but for the most part, I was that, I was that other person doing camping and kayaking and taking canoeing and, you know, those kinds of things as classes because outdoor recreation management was one of my majors in my previous years. Then, um, skip forward, you know, 10 years or so, I moved out to Seattle. And that's when I really felt at home because it was like hippie and nobody really cared about what they, what anybody else did. Uh, You could wear Birkenstocks with with socks and sit around a campfire and that was cool. Um, But I feel like when I tuned into that aspect of my being Um, my higher self, my spiritual side, my, if you want to call it hippie, new age, nonsense kind of thing. That's when I felt my most home, if you will. That's when I felt resonation with everything that seemed like it connected for me. I grew up with, um, I I was raised Roman Catholic, so I had a very religious background growing up. But um, I didn't, I didn't pursue that because I didn't, a lot of it didn't resonate with me. A lot of it, you know, re- organized religion just didn't s- set with me. And so I feel like moving here to, to, to Southeast United States, I feel like it's, it's kind of funny because I feel like I have to, in, in a lot of instances, I have to really toe the line between religion and spirituality. And um, I, a lot of people think that it when I'm coming back here from Seattle to southeastern Massachusetts, uh, United States, I feel like a lot of people find spirituality this still this new age nonsense thing. Where, and I think that's where a lot of people don't want to say that they either want to practice meditation, they want to look into it, that they're interested in it. And if they are, they're kind of closeted meditators, right? Yeah. <laughs> or you have to find like a big group of people or a small group of people and just be like, "Yeah, I meditate. Shh, don't tell anybody."
0: There's you know? nothing stopping folks from doing both. No, uh, no, nope. you know. And I, I think that's where people they, they do think that. Well, now I have to sit in a corner for three hours and <laughs> and, and make funny sounds. And that's not necessarily true. You can mm. you can be very active in your religion if you so choose and. But I, I agree with you. And there's apps that people can go to to get started, to make it easy. Um, it really is just sitting quietly. Um, but people struggle with that. Sometimes they, needed, they need guided meditations. I think you started with guided meditations. Did yep. you not? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there's way. I think Headspace is one of them. That's one of the. Oh, absolutely. So. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: Yep. Insight, insight Timer is another one. It's great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's an easy place to start. So it's it's not either or. So we need to wrap up. So uh, you closed the book by telling us that some of your uh, best, maybe most profound uh, lessons came through writing the book. So I know we couldn't cover mm-hmm. everything in the book, but have we covered some of them? And in closing uh, uh, this discussion, what do you want to make sure that you share with us before we leave?
1: I think that it's really important to know that you do not have to rehash the past to move forward. That when you start focusing on creating a solid relationship to whatever calls to you, um, religion, spirituality, both, as long as you start to practice this and create your relationship with your energy source, your God sense, your higher power, and do that on the regular daily I think that that's going to be one of the most important things moving forward. I think that when you start making deliberate choices that are driven by your emotions, you're going to feel a huge difference instantaneously. I feel like when you start listening to your second brain, your gut, and use this as your guide to make any type of decisions, personal, professional, anything. And then also trying to do, instead of doing like your to-do list every day, start your day with an appreciation list. And then closure day with a manifestation list or things that happened that were just like, oh my gosh, that was so awesome versus your to-do list for tomorrow. I think those are key things that can help you get started.
0: I love it. Uh, and uh, I learned a lot. And again, my guest has been Jen Wertz, W-I-R-T-Z. Her website is JenWertzRN.com, JenWertzRN.com. Her book is Recalibrate. You can't find it on Amazon. I strongly recommend it, saying for the third time, we, some of us, have had a challenging 2020. And uh, even if you have not had a challenging 2020, it may be a good time to rethink or recalibrate. So Jen Wirtz, thanks so much for being part of the Business Builder Show. We really appreciate your, your book and your efforts today.
1: Thank you so much. I had so much fun. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Find all our shows and many other great podcasts at businessbuildersmedia.com. That's businessbuildersmedia.com.